0: Doing.
1: You receive our emails. know what we have coming up on a given Tuesday and it's also where you can read about the other announcements, special events, things like that. If you'd like to be added to that list, we have a pretty pink notebook over um, on our reading table. You can just write your first and last name, write your email down. Um, We also have some cards for Arise. It has our address and our contact information that you are welcome to take um, one or two if you want to keep them. I keep them in my purse. When I meet women who I'm like, yes, they need a Rise, or we need them, or whatever it is. I hit him with the card, and uh, gives gives all the information to invite them. Um, we also have some cards for Rising, which are back there, if you don't know about Rising. Our very own Rebecca here um, leads a group uh, for high schoolers. Only high schoolers, right? No, no. Okay.
2: High school girls. And that leads we to Friday. They have some cards.
1: So I'm gonna go through a couple of upcoming things that we really want you to be aware of because some of them require um, registration, and some of them we just want you to be able to mark them on your calendar so you can hold them and that you're aware of what's coming up. So we have okay but if you have an interest and an availability to serve maybe once once a month on a Tuesday we have some need to help with set up and tear down and also to train you um, in understanding what the Lord is speaking to you through your dreams. Um, but they also just, they're really anointed men who uh, minister in the prophetic. Um, I personally received a word of knowledge about healing from back pain. I've been praying for back pain for, I don't even know how long, like 10 years. Chronic back pain, long time. And they released a prophetic word that led someone praying for me a couple months later, um, and I have been healed ever since. Um, so it's really incredible. And also my son, they released a word. Um, my son wasn't even there, and um, he just started hearing from the Lord. I had a dream to he just started hearing from the Lord. And all of a sudden, he saw my son, and he started prophesying these incredible things over my three-year-old son at the time. And prophesied that he had some sort of autoimmune thing, and it was eczema, and he was gonna be healed. So we took that word, we stopped treatment, we stopped doing a lot of things we've really been pursuing that weren't really working and stood on that word, and our son is nearly 100% cured of excellence. So, so, definitely It's really, it's an incredible time of teaching and training, but also powerful ministry. There's a small ticket price on that. Um, It's going to be $35.00. Um, which is well worth the ticket price and um, we are going to get the Eventbrite link up for that very quickly but we want you to mark that on your calendars so that you hold the date um, and then we'll get all the information out pretty quickly. Um, the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to um, pass around our um, offering bucket. Um, you can give by cash or check or by credit card or by PayPal if you need any of on how to do any of those things, you can ask me. There's no pressure to give here. This, this isn't about taking your money. It's about just giving you the opportunity to see into what the Lord is doing um, here at Rise. Also, if you would like to bless our speaker, Terry Brown, we will be receiving any um, love offering that you would like to give on her behalf. So we'll pass it, but it will also be at the back table. But we bless you whether you give or don't tonight. So Lord, we thank you for... Thank you for the the fruit that's come out of Arise. We thank you for the finances that have flowed here, Lord. We pray that Arise would be an open hand um, for every dollar that comes through, Lord, that you would bless it and multiply it, use it for your glory, Lord. And we pray that you would bless those who give and those who don't, Lord, those who give of their finances and those also who give of their time, of their love, of their energy.
3: How tall I was. <laughs> <laughs> It was interesting when I invited Tia, I could invite somebody that could go to the class for free. And uh, I thought, well, Tia probably would <coughs> like the class, I'll just invite her. You know, but it's like one of those things where you get the idea. And Answer to prayer because our son Luke, he used to be one of the the honoriest, that was his nature, it was kind of just curious George Henry. Well, he came over, he saw this big white sheet of paper, so he just put LOL on it just just for fun, just to see. And I thought, well, that's good. That playful side of him is coming back because it kind of Somebody sent her a text that somebody died, and she sent back LOL.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not good. So, I'm uh, excited to be
3: here. I'm excited to. uh, I'm not excited about the process to get here, but I'm excited to be here to share. Sorry, this is kind of crinkled. I hope you can see it. If you can't see it, you can get up on the ground a little bit maybe see it. I don't know if you guys... We might be able to pull it in just a little bit. Do you mind? That's probably good. Then you guys can't see me. Sorry. Scoot in now. <laughs> yeah. Um, just one quick advertisement. I was telling Carla this, but. Month of April, there's five weeks and five Wednesdays. I should say. And Jack and I, mainly I, because I think he's coaching most of those. But we're going to be doing prophetic mentorship at Boulder Street Church, which is not our home church. We're just doing it for them. It's five weeks of training. Uh, No matter where you are at on the prophetic scale, like I don't even know how to prophesy to. I've been prophesying a long time. We'll, we'll do kind of a, it'll be part teaching, part coaching, part practice. So if you're uh, interested, show up on the Wednesday night at 630 at Boulder Street. So, Andre, why don't you come pray for me? Whoever prophesied over her, they were very accurate. Andre and I met at WLI classes about 19 years ago. She lived in California. I lived here. We became fast friends and I'm so glad we did. of what we just went through. And so that's where I'm coming at when I teach this. Um, you know, God made us to be whole people in his image. And there's different aspects of this. There's spiritual, intellectual, physical, emotional, and social. But you'll notice that I put the some of them in red because I think that the church emphasizes that we grow spiritually. They encourage us to grow intellectually. I think most churches want us to be physically growing, staying fit, that type of thing. And I think there's some places where there's some emphasis on growing socially. But usually I think it's more like, if you think about it, it's more about obeying. You know, like when you're raised up in church, how to sit quietly in church. How to obey the authorities in church. How to interact with church people. I'm not sure we do real well at training people how to interact with the lost. How to be social with people that are different than us culturally or,
2: you know, different aspects
3: of that. You think about how Jesus interacted with people. I'm not sure we do real well socially. And I think we do really poorly at emotion. Have you ever been said you're just an emotional woman? those are just your emotions. You know, I think that I think that we can um, we can grow so much spiritually and still be a 13 year old. Emotionally. And I'll just start in here with what I'm going to start with. So so at the beginning of the year, we were uh, involved in different prayer things and there was different aspects of the prophetic words over the year. The word surrender came up so many times. About this is a year that we really need to be in a place of surrender. And we were asked to speak at another church and I knew that God was speaking to us about surrender. And I was really wrestling, and those of you that know me well, we usually when we preach at this other church, my husband and I preach together. And it's hard enough to get a message by yourself, <laughs> but to get a message with another person who sees the world the opposite of you is always an interesting challenge. And I was. He had something that he knew God was telling us to do, and I—I I mean, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't. I, it wasn't that I disagreed with him. I couldn't get it, and I was really struggling over this surrender thing. So one day I, I tried to carry paper in my purse that I could write on it, and and so I I wrote down kind of what I was struggling with, and then on the Saturday we're supposed to preach the next day. I'm still struggling with it. And so I finally decided, well I'm gonna read it to him. And the the aspect of this struggling was I've seen I've seen so many times in my life where I surrendered mm-hmm. and there's no fruit from it. Mm-hmm. And I thought back of like you know, I played basketball in college and I had worked hard all summer long. I mean I'd We'd, we'd finally taken a team that had been 0-4 my freshman year, 10-10 my sophomore year. I was, I was uh, a, a big scorer, I, that was, I could shoot, that was my thing. Mm-hmm. i had worked hard all summer long, i come back, we have a new coach, new prospects, it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. And I go from injury to injury to mono to injury till I finally hurt my knee really, well that's hard enough, just going through those. But then I go to a doctor who did what they call a stress x-ray on it, which means they take your good knee and see how hard how far it'll go. And then they put the same pressure on your bad knee. And so I was laying there on the table just tearing, pop you tore everything in my knee. You know, and I think no the bad knee. Did it to where it was any chance of it growing back by its own it was gone. Or I think when we, you know, I homeschooled our kids for 15 years. I I had the yeah, I loved teaching and coaching, but I thought, you know, this is my kids are worth investing in. We have six, we have six kids. And surrendered really so much of who I was to do that and then went through all kinds of interest. I mean all of our children came to know the Lord and were walking closely with the Lord and when they went off to college there was lots of struggles mm-hmm. even Christian colleges mm-hmm. and so we've, we've got kids in all different levels of walking with the Lord and I'm thinking where's the
2: fruit
3: of that surrender? or when we moved to Colorado Springs we came to work with a church um, Some of you know that we have heard the story of the Pygmy House and then the house built for us. Well, we had a brand new house with five bedrooms with a kitchen to die for. And we decided we were being called here to serve at a church where we were paid $100 a week with a family of eight. Mm -hmm. And then within three years, um, the senior pastor was going to leave and he got jealous and didn't want Jack to have the church environment and so there was another surrender where I didn't see the fruit so I'm talking to my husband and I say I just it's just such a struggle he say, where's the fruit and he says well don't you want to be like Jesus and after I wanted to slap him and he, he only got away with it because his heart is that pure don't you want to be like Jesus? And I was like, yeah. And I I saw this revelation of how so many times I had surrendered to get. And not necessarily surrender. we surrender are we surrendering to get like if I surrender God will bless me that is true are we surrendering because there's that verse and if we humble ourselves he is humble will be exalted or you know do are we are surrendering to him because we trust him and we know it'll be an easier road if we trust him and if we surrender to him. Are we surrendering because we want to be like the compliant child? There's less resistance and more favor, you know. Or are we, or is it like Jesus, where he he surrendered? You know, you look at that whole Gethsemane talk he had with the Lord. Grace said, "Not my will, but yours be
2: done."
3: <laughs> and it, he had to wrestle with whether he could surrender. But the the thing is, he he went death to cross to the victory. But I realized I had defined my victory. I had defined what 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 it was. It was success or peace or notoriety or the white picket fence life with my family. Or riches but he said the victory is to be more like Jesus and so all that time I've been in a place of I mean I've, I've dealt with the disappointment I had the spirit of disappointment cast out which I needed to cast out was a wall there. And the wall was because it was in my mind because it was a lack of understanding. I am more like Jesus than I was before the last however many years. That knee surgery taught me that I'm not defined by not necessarily the easiest path. And that's why I loved Andre's work when she got up and she said, we need to understand the underlying foundation of this whole thing is God's good. He's really, really good. And sometimes we can see how he's worked things for good. Sometimes we can't yet see how he's worked the things for good. But we're going to because he promises that he's gonna work him for good. That's what Romans eight twenty eight says. So I drew this up because I like pictures. That's the only reason I drew it up. So if it helps you remember, great. If you don't like the picture, that's okay. I could have made it in lines, but this is how I did it. So, so we've gotta get back to that place where we surrender without expectations of exactly how God's going to work it out. Now, we can work it out with the expectation that he's going to work it for good, because we know that's okay. But when we put God in a box of, okay, if I surrender this, you're going to do that. You know, so many have surrendered so much, and then their spouse decided, eh, not really interested in it. And so we, the next step was we sometimes just have to learn to accept the mystery and, and, and the unanswered questions. The more religious a church is, the more answers. Close of them years ago and became good friends. And they had some friends that they knew that were in town, so we all, all went to eat together. And I'd never met the other people. Well, the other lady started talking about how God heals. Yeah, yeah, we agree, we agree. So she starts telling the story of how when she's pregnant with a child, they get a very bad report. And when the child is born, The child has to go in surgery, but the bad report is not, the the truth is not near as bad as the bad report. And so this child is now 27 and wonderful. And I was thinking, well, I think I'll tell my story. Luke who did the LOL, when we, when I was pregnant with him, they said there's something horribly wrong. battle has placenta abruption, where the placenta breaks away from the womb. they rush her to the hospital and there's malpractice that causes the baby to die so we're sitting there at the table with testimony of how good God is to heal and how good God is to heal and there she is and she doesn't. She doesn't deny that God is good to heal, but is, how do we? How do we? What do we say? If we don't allow there to be unanswered questions and accept misery, uh, mystery, we, the only thing we can do is put blame at someone's feet, and that's what the church is. Job. I I never like to read
2: Job. (laughs) I don't know anybody that says, my
3: favorite book of the Bible is Job. If they do, we worry about them. Remember Job? God sees Satan and says, what are you doing? And he says, well, I've been looking around. And he says, well, did you see my servant Job? He's without fault. He's amazing. He's great. He's glorious. Satan goes well. Sure, he is. He doesn't have any hardship. You protect him. You coddle him. He doesn't have any problems. Say, and so God says, "Well, just don't hurt him." And so, within a short time, all of his children are gone. All all his children, ten children die. All of this stuff is gone. And in all the things, verse twenty-two, it says, chapter one, verse twenty-two. In all these things, Job sinned not by his lips, nor spoke he any foolish things against God. That just shows you his character, because no one could say that about me, that Job sinned not by his lips. (laughs) Okay, so then they go back, God, and Satan are talking again. Yeah, but he's fine. And so God says, well, you can touch him, but don't kill him. And so he has these soars all over him. And his wife says, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. So again, it's like, I don't understand. Number one, how did he do that? Number two, that perspective of his depth of knowing who God was. That yeah, there's some bad things that happen, but it's not God didn't cause it. it was Satan caused. It. And God only allowed it because he's going to be glorified in it. But, oh, I don't understand this. Well, they sit silently and says for seven days and nights job and his three friends and then job starts talking and one of the things he says what is the point of life when it doesn't make sense when god blocks all the roads to meaning and i think so many times blocking the road to meaning. But if we can remember that the foundational truth that God is good and the story's not over and we haven't seen it finished, it helps us to move through
2: these difficult things. Because I don't know anybody that doesn't have to deal with
3: You may not have to deal with them with your children, but you have to deal with them with your spouse. Or you may not have to deal with your children and your spouse, you have to deal with them with your finances. Or maybe not that, maybe it's your health. None of us have, at least I don't know anybody that's had a free pass. And I don't know if I'd wanna know. they'd be so prideful thinking that it was because of their good yeah. behavior that it was they were so blessed. Now I'm not saying that there is truth to what we sow we read. know the God of Emotionally healthy spirituality by Peter something S C. Let me spell it out because it's I can't even pronounce it. S C A Z Z E R O. And he was a a pastor of a large church, I think in in Queens, New York. And I mean, he had been growing in the Lord for twenty years. I mean, he was a spiritually mature person. When his wife said to him, I'm leaving this church. Remember, he's the pastor. Because I can't follow this leadership anymore. (laughs) Not good. And so then they, you know, went through the crisis of, and they're still married, just so you know, but they, um, you know, went through the crisis of. We have all this dysfunction from our family of origin, the way we think, the way we, all this kind of stuff. And we're living more like our family of origin, where no one was a believer, than we are living like a believer. Because we've not spent any time growing emotionally. We've just been growing spiritually. I mean, I could recognize myself in that because when I hit a roadblock where everything I knew to do spiritually, I couldn't fix something. I had to look in the mirror and say, "Okay, where do I need to grow emotionally?" And where was I parenting from a spiritual place without any emotional intelligence? Well, I don't want to confess. What those are, but I did. Let's just say that. And so one of the things that he talks about in this is, is how we have to deal. See, we want to stay true to your, our authentic self. God created each of you because he needed each of. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, in the voice translation, you are the body of the anointed, the liberating king. Each and every one of you is a vital member. Okay? So how many of you have been taught, hopefully not by me, but maybe by me, uh, that we need to die to self? Okay, so that's one side of the conversation. But the other side of the coin is we need to be our unique selves. We cannot die to self so much that we're not who we are. And we can't die to self so much that we have no opinion. That we let other people walk over us. Because God planted us in a church or in a family or in a workplace because he needed our there. And if we're so silent with who we are, that vital piece is missing. I was just talking to a young man whose marriage is hanging by the threads. And he said, my whole life I was taught to die to self. And so when my spouse would want to do something that I disagreed with that I didn't think was wise or the timing line of it all. I just let her have her way and I just thought I was dying to self. But what happened was some really bad decisions. His vital part was missing. So we
2: have to stay true to our authentic self, but we also have to
3: die to our carnal self. There's that carnal self, you know, that's like our pride, our selfishness, lust, all the things that we know that we have to deal with. Those are the things we have to put to death. But we have to put them to death with keeping ourselves alive.
2: We have to put pride to death by
3: and still know that we're really good at what God created us to be good at. And not get into that false humility that causes us to sit back and say, well, yeah, I have a word for them, but they probably... we're not willing to just step out and do that. So, yes, we have to stay true to our authentic self, die to our carnal self, but we also have to resist the pulling into a false self. There's people around us that love us and have a good plan for our lives, but it may not be God's plan. They may just want to use your gift they may just have a view of how women should be. You know, in some cultures, women are supposed to be quiet all the time. I'm so thankful that my dad, when he became a a professor, the other professors made fun of him. He said, why do you always get those female doctorate students? 60s. I'm glad I was raised by a dad like that.
2: So that false self are things like, I am what I do.
3: That's not the truth. None of us are what Whether I do anything or not, <laughs> think about when when Jesus was baptized. What did God say about it from heaven?
2: Uh, this is my beloved son, and you This beloved. is my beloved son,
3: in whom I'm well pleased. What had he done at that point? Mm-hmm. Nothing in ministry. <coughs> Nothing. I think he probably made some pretty nice cabinets, but that
2: was it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the.
3: Thomas Merton explained. Somebody called him and said, or wrote him. He's a, an author, in probably a different body of, or a different neighborhood of the body of Christ than most of us walk in. But they wanted to talk to him about what it's like to be successful. And he wrote back, and he says, "I will not be a part of any book about success." Mm-hmm. He said, um, "How easily earthly success tempts us to feel our worth and value." Outside of God's inexhaustible free love for us in Christ. I'm going to read that again. He's saying that anytime we get worldly success, there's a temptation to find our worth and value outside of God's inexhaustible free love for us in Christ. Inexhaustible. Okay, so sometimes we know that we're not what we do, that that's, that's not how we get our, our value in the self, but maybe it's we get it with, I am what I have. I have money, I have possessions, I have a nice body, I have a family, I have a spouse, I have a job, I have gifts, I have talents, and we fall into this thing of comparisons, that causes people to move out of their true self to try to fit in. And it it um, comparison is is a, a hook that pulls us out of where we really are supposed to be so many times. And that's what I love about Arise is there's a, a really let's celebrate who we are and not give comparisons. Even in our minds, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful to not compare to the point where who I was created to be isn't quite good enough. I've got to be more like this. The only place we would need to be more like is Jesus. And if I, if I recognize Jesus in And I can say, I want to be more like the Jesus I see in Sarah. And it is good, because sometimes it's easier to see Jesus in each other than it is to figure it out through the word. But we have to be careful, because it can pull us out of that vital place that God has us into this false self. I need to be quieter. I need to be louder. All that stuff... or I am what others think of me. We live a pretend life over-concerned about what others think.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Trying to measure up, trying to fit in, some you speak tongues and others you don't and all that stuff. In the neighborhoods I've lived in, we've put way too much on this dying to carnal self and we've forgotten these other two things. And it's got, I think we have to, we need the whole circle. Because when we get the whole circle then we we can become more like Christ. Um, I'm going to read these other verses around right? those verses don't necessarily line up with the self thing. They're just verses that we need to remember. <clears throat> Second Corinthians three eighteen, image from glory to glory, glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord, as by just as by the Spirit. says, if you try to avoid danger and risk, then you'll lose everything. If you try to avoid it. See, we, we, if we're not careful, we read that. Avoid danger and risk. But faith, there is no faith without danger and risk. So if you try to avoid danger and risk, then you'll lose everything. If you let go of your life and risk all for my sin, Then your life will be rescued, healed, and made whole and full. And then Romans 8, 29-31. God knew what he was doing. This is the message version. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. So he's saying those he loves, he's going to shape us to be like his son. The son stands first in line of of the humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. He's a model for us. After God made that decision on what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name.
2: He didn't just tell us to be like Jesus. He called us by name.
3: By name, he set them on a solid basis with himself, and then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, he wants us to be more like Jesus, but it's not some huge task we have to take on our, by ourselves. First, he. Gave and then he says Vow, I'll help you and then he he helps us and conforms us and transforms us until we become It's hard and he's trying to fashion the clay, but the clay's a little brittle, it's a little hard. But I don't know if this works in real clay, but I know it works in Jesus' clay that we can step back in the waterfall his presence and we can soften back up and we can say, Okay, God, I had those expectations and I didn't understand you and I tried to figure the mystery out and I guessed wrong or I calculated wrong or I figured wrong or someone told me wrong or somebody said it was my fault and I took the blame when it wasn't my fault and I can get back in the waterfall of his presence and become that pliable person that he's going to gloriously complete.
2: Why don't we just bow our
3: heads? Father God, we just uh, come to you. We thank you that our lives are built on the foundation that you are a good God. And that we can trust you. And that you are calling us by name. And that you are desiring us to be conformed to your image. But that we don't have to do it alone. Lord, I just uh, again. Lord, we just um, want to surrender again. I'm going to just leave some space in here so you can talk to God with me. Lord, forgive me where I've surrendered to get. expectation of easy life. A life without pain. Lord, I just um, don't see many people in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, that have lives without That you would help us to embrace the mystery, to embrace our true selves, to, to remove the hooks of other people trying to pull us into their image or, or what they, their expectations, or what they think. we we, uh, repent for disappointment and despair where we've given up hope or we've made judgments against you we repent we break off a spirit of disappointment in the name of Jesus we break off a spirit of hope deferred in the name of Jesus and we speak hope and life back into those hard areas Um, you think about the prophetic word that was spoken over my friend Andre I'm talking now I'm not praying Uh,
2: just so you know they uh
3: So, um, how do you make this all fun and good to close? Um, I don't, that's right, Carly, you don't. What was I thinking? <laughs> down the road, you're not going to be looking in the rearview mirrors wondering why so often. You know, we can only look forward. And we can only, because we can only look forward, if we see things in the rearview mirror, it's just to warn others. So they don't have to go through what we went through. At least that's my philosophy. That's not scripture. That's a Terry Brownish thing. So, Father God, we thank you that on the foundation of you're a good God, we choose to begin again. We choose to start today with a fresh surrender and a new hope and an embracing